so I'm trying something uh, different today, which is actually using a manuscript, which isn't easy for me, because um, I just like to talk. But for the sake of the slides I have today, and for Phil's slake, I'm slake, stake, I'm going to stake. I'm going to uh, try and stick to these uh, particular words as we talk about the call. And I am reading from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I will be reading verses 8 through 10. But I encourage you to go home and read the whole call story. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. The word of God for the people of God. God. So it was a bleak time for the people of Israel. Uh, they were without a leader, and everyone did what was right in their own sight. People weren't following the law. People weren't uh, extending kindness to the orphan and the widow and the stranger. People had basically forgotten to follow God. And it was a bleak time for this priest, Eli. He was supposed to have his sons become the next priests in the line of Israel, but here they were running around following the worldly ways, and it wasn't going to be a situation where they were following God. And so God came and said, I will not have your boys as my priests. And it was a bleak time for Hannah. Hannah was childless in a time when having children was everything, and especially having a son was everything, because that was your future. They did not believe in the afterlife. And Hannah's husband, Elkanah, had a second wife, and she had children, and so she continually rubbed it in to Hannah that she had children, and she didn't. And the husband, Elkanah, would say to Hannah, aren't I enough for you? No. Hannah was despondent. She believed that there was something wrong between her and God. Uh, so she went up to the temple to uh, Eli the priest, and she prayed for a restoration of a good relationship with God. She prayed for a son, and she vowed that if she had a, a son, that she would dedicate him to the service of the Lord. And God, of course, makes a way out of no way, Hannah has a son, and when he is weaned, Hannah takes him to Eli and gives the boy to him to raise as his own. 
Now imagine that there is a mother, a woman, desperate for a child, and once she gets that child, she gives him up for adoption. And yet for Hannah, she was obedient to God. Her relationship to God came first. She had promised him to the Lord, and she fulfilled that vow. And unbeknownst to her was that not only would Samuel become the next one in the line of the priests, but Samuel would also become the judge, the leader over Israel, who would call the people back to faithfulness and to obedience to God. Samuel's purpose is so much greater than Hannah could even begin to imagine. You see, Hannah was obedient to her call. In the midst of a society that had pretty much forgotten God, Hannah listened and responded. And the kingdom of God always begins with one person. The kingdom of God begins with each person's faithfulness. The kingdom of God begins with me and with you and with you, you. Now, the scriptures are filled with what we know as call stories, Moses, Isaiah, Paul. And so often for many of us, we think of a call story as something that happens to a minister or a priest, someone who is set apart for full-time ministry. But the truth is that Hannah is called, just as Samuel and Eli are called, and every single human being is called by God. Now, our first call, the first thing that we are called to is to believe in God, to confess Christ in our lives. Uh, We are called, first of all, to really reject the ways of the world that lead to hatred and death and to accept the way of Christ that leads to love and life. But once we accept this call, some. Folks think that, hey, it's done. I've confessed Christ. That's really all that I need to do. There's nothing more than to believe in Jesus. But remember, we are followers of Christ. Followers. We are not sitters in the pews of Christ. We are not standers in the hall of Christ. We are followers of Jesus Christ, and following is about movement. It's active. You can't follow if you won't move. And not only that, but the call upon our lives never ends. It's never finished. It just evolves over time, depending on where we are in our life. Because God will always lead us by stages if we are faithful, if we're turning to God again and again. The call of God is a process that will lead us on behalf of the kingdom of God. Now, this word call means summons 
or uh, commanding someone to be present. And of course, we as Christians believe that it is God who summons or commands us. It is grace that leads us and calls to us. And the word calling itself comes from the Latin vocatio or vocation. It's important to understand that there's a difference between God's calling, our vocation, and what we choose as our occupation. See, occupation is what we do. Vocation is who we are and are called by God to be. Occupation is how we earn a living. Vocation is how we make a life that is worthy of God. Occupation is how the world knows us. Vocation is how we are known by God and know God. Vocation is how occupation is how we earn a salary. Vocation is how we give in to the kingdom of God. And to many of us place our identity and our worth in our occupation, in what we do and are called as a thing. Our occupation becomes our focus and we lose sight of God's call upon our lives. My friend, Jim was the all-American boy. And when I uh, dated this guy 30 years ago, he was, first of all, a type X guy. He was a thrill seeker. But he was one of the smartest human beings you would ever meet. He was one of the best pilots in the Air Force. He was funny. He was kind. He was generous. He was all these wonderful things. He was a straight arrow, just a good all-around guy. But the one thing I knew to be true about Jim was that everything in his life since the time he was in high school, every decision he made was focused on just one thing, and that was becoming an astronaut, and whether it would help him or potentially hurt him in that pursuit. The, the, college he cho chose, the major he chose, the jobs he took, the things he learned, everything he did in his life was geared toward that one thing. And after applying six, seven, eight times in a row, he was finally selected as an astronaut. He fulfilled his goal. He flew uh, the shuttle five times. And it seemed like you know he had exactly what he had wanted out of his life. So this week, for some reason, Jim then was on my heart and my spirit, and I did what, what people do these days. I Googled him to figure out. Last I heard, he was a contractor in Utah. And I Googled him, and I was shocked to find this come up. Apparently, about two years ago, Jim had been driving at a high rate of speed with alcohol in his system late at night on a rural road in Alabama and had rear-ended another car killing two young girls. I have to tell you, I even looked at the picture for about five minutes because I wasn't even sure it was him. And then I began to see that, yes, it, it was my friend. We had lost touch 10 or so years ago. And I began to think about what could have happened that he could have gone from where he was to this. 
And it seemed to me the only thing that made sense was that Jim's whole life had been about his occupation. Jim's whole life, everything he did and lived and breathed had been about being an astronaut. And the day he had to retire and just go work for some contractor and could no longer fly high-performance jet aircraft, it seemed like he couldn't understand who he was anymore. Everything he had always been had been taken away from him. I don't know if that's the right explanation, but it sure seems to me that Jim knew only occupation and had lost sight of his vocation as a, as a person in God. So then how do we place our vocation our calling from God at the forefront of our lives? How do we move aside a lot of our emotional needs to be important or praised by others for our occupational success or to place a label or a name on ourselves like astronaut, doctor, lawyer, teacher, pastor, senior pastor? Samuel's call story that we looked at this morning gives us some important clues about how to take hold of our vocation, our calling. And first, we need to keep in mind, slide, 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 that when we think we are hearing God calling, we like Samuel, need to run to a trusted spiritual friend or advisor. Every one of us knows someone in our life who seems to have a really deep connection to God. And rather than allowing the possibility of our own ego or our own needs or what we think will be best for us or what we think society is telling us, we need to go to a spiritual friend who can help us to discern what is the will of God, what is God calling us to. So the first thing we need to do if we think we're feeling God's call is to talk to someone who has a spiritual connection. And the second thing is like Samuel, we need to sit down and listen to God. You know, so many times, especially if we think we're uh, supposed to be doing something or going somewhere, what we'll do then is spend a lot of time uh, talking to God and talking to others and, and frittering and fretting and doing all these kinds of things, but we're supposed to sit down and listen for God to speak to us. You know, look at what Hannah and Eli both do. They are listening deeply to God, and both of them essentially give up their sons, which is the future according to the society. But they knew what God was asking. They were listening to God, and it was for the best for the kingdom. Remember that only God can lead us into the fullness of life. So listen to God. And lastly, the third thing this text tells us is never fall prey to what I call 
the sin of comparatives. Never compare your call to any other person's call. That's the way that the world operates. Am I more important? Am I better? Am I uh, loved more or respected more than other people? Really, the only question that we should be asking is, am I fulfilling God's calling upon my life? God has made each of us a unique person with unique unique gifts and graces to be used for the kingdom of God. And the only thing we should be paying attention to is whether it's what God is asking of me in my life. There is no comparing ourselves to others in the kingdom of God. There is only my response to God's call. So people of God, in this Lenten season, when we are called to return to God, to let God lead us, to watch for the movement of grace, to put aside those things that keep pulling us away from God, we have to learn again to live as the person that God has created each one of us to be and called each one of us to be. The kingdom of God is our calling, and the kingdom begins with each of us. If we want to change the world and its ways, if we want to live fully in this life, we must seek, listen to, and obey the living God's call. The kingdom of God begins with each one of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.